tried everything to lose weight, but nothing has worked for you? I've seen so many patients who are frustrated and discouraged because nothing they've done has helped them to lose weight. So today I'll be going over all of the possible underlying causes I've discovered and share with you why you may not be able to lose weight. Let's begin by looking at some startling statistics. As of April 2020, one in three Americans has obesity. That's over 500 million adults. 72% of men and 63% of women are obese, and one in five American children are obese. Let's take a look at some of the underlying causes. In functional medicine, we most, almost always address any health problems by first evaluating and treating any imbalances in gut function. Because we know that about 95% of health problems are due to inflammation, and inflammation begins in your gut. Recent research published in the FASEB journal shows that obesity is an inflammatory disease. Inflammation makes your body cling to fat, which makes you more inflamed. As fat mass expands, inflammation increases. It's a vicious cycle. So let's take a look at how inflammation begins in your gut so that you can understand why it's absolutely essential that you must first eliminate inflammation if you want to lose that stubborn weight. Almost all of the causes that we'll look at today begin as a result of inflammation that comes from a dysbiotic or imbalanced gut. What this means is that you have an imbalance between the good and bad bacteria in your intestines. Later, I'll go over some other causes that can prevent you from losing weight, including hormonal imbalances, stress, dietary triggers, and environmental toxins. I'll review a few case histories, go over the best lab tests to run, and I'll provide the best solutions I know to help you finally get rid of that stubborn body fat. Let's take a look at how a dysbiotic gut can create inflammation throughout your body. The lining of your small intestine is very delicate. It's only one cell layer thick. Your food is broken down in your small intestine into tiny particles and then absorbed into your blood by passing through what are called tight junctions in your small intestines. The tight junctions are like a brick and mortar wall. The spaces between the bricks are very tiny and only allow very small particles to pass from your intestine into your blood. If your gut lining breaks down, large undigested particles of food or pathogens can pass through your gut lining and into your blood. This is known as intestinal permeability or leaky gut. When this happens, your immune system or your white blood cells tag these unwanted particles as foreign invaders and create inflammatory chemicals such as cytokines and histamines. They do this in an attempt to destroy what they consider to be foreign invaders. These inflammatory chemicals cause inflammation throughout your body. Let's take a look at what can cause the breakdown of your gut lining. Most of us are stressed on a fairly regular basis. Traffic, finances, relationships, and problems at school can cause you to be stressed. When this happens, your body produces the fight-or-flight hormones cortisol and adrenaline. The chronic release of cortisol can break down your gut lining, slow down your metabolism, increase your insulin levels, create insulin resistance, and promote fat storage and weight gain. Having high levels of cortisol can contribute to weight gain because it can deplete your happy brain chemicals like serotonin, rob you of sleep, create sugar cravings, food addiction, and depression. 
Numerous studies have shown that taking painkillers such as aspirin, Aleve, and Advil can cause the breakdown of your gut lining. And some of the foods that you may be eating can cause your gut lining to break down. Dr. Alicio Fasano, a gastroenterologist and professor at Harvard, has shown that consuming gluten can actually open up the tight brick-and-mortar junctions in your small intestine and allow unwanted particles such as undigested food particles and toxins to leak through into your blood, creating inflammation throughout your body. Pesticides and herbicides such as glyphosates can disrupt the balance between your good and bad gut bacteria. When you have high levels of bad or pathogenic bacteria, these bacteria release chemicals called endotoxins that can go through your leaky gut and create inflammation. Taking antibiotics or consuming antibiotics by eating conventionally raised meats, dairy products, or fish can disrupt the delicate balance of the good and bad bacteria in your gut. When your good probiotic bacteria die, the bad bacteria can take over and you can develop gut dysbiosis. It's well documented that those who have obesity have significantly impaired gut function compared to the general population. And it's interesting to note that the obesity epidemic has coincided with the increase in the prevalence of factors that can lead to the overgrowth of bad gut bacteria. The heavy use of pesticides, herbicides, glyphosates, and antibiotics in our food. Having healthy gut bacteria is crucial to maintaining a normal weight and functional metabolism. A group of researchers in Brazil published a new review exploring the idea that leaky gut is a contributing factor to obesity. Studies have shown that the composition of gut bacteria is different between people at a normal weight and those who are obese or diabetic. One study examined the gut bacteria of 77 pairs of twins, one who was obese and one who was not. The study found that those who were obese had different gut bacteria than the non-obese twins. Scientists from Cornell University sequenced genes of microbes derived from more than 1,000 fecal samples from 400 pairs of twins. They found that identical twins, whose genes are 100% the same, shared greater numbers of specific microbial families in their intestinal tract compared with non-identical twins who share only half their genes. These findings provide clear evidence that genes are a major factor in determining the gut's microbial makeup. The composition of your gut microbiome can influence your health in many ways, including digestion, metabolism, mood, and can cause obesity. Other studies have shown that if the gut bacteria from obese people are put into mice, the mice gain weight. This suggests that gut bacteria affects weight. This may be due to the effect of bacteria on the digestion of different foods. For example, humans can't digest fiber, but certain gut bacteria can. By digesting fiber, these bacteria produce a number of chemicals that benefit our gut health and could promote weight loss. A number of studies have shown that people with high fiber intake have a lower weight, which may be linked to the role that gut bacteria play in digesting fiber. A recent study took a group of Africans who ate a traditional local diet high in beans and vegetables and swapped their diet with a group of African Americans who ate a diet, the standard American diet, high in fat and animal proteins and low in dietary fiber. The Africans fared worse on the American-style food. Their metabolism changed to a diabetic and an unhealthy profile within just two weeks, and the bacterial balance in the guts of the African Americans 
who ate a more plant-based diet changed to a healthy profile. A study published in Science Magazine found that mice with a certain protein called TLR5 in their gut gained excessive weight and developed diabetes and fatty liver disease when fed a high-fat diet. If we think of the gut as a community, this protein is like a police force that defends the neighborhood from gangsters. Without this particular protein, bad bacteria can get out of control, harming the neighborhood. This study found that bad bacteria caused inflammation in the mice, which caused them to eat more and develop insulin resistance. When the scientists transferred the gut flora from the overweight mice without this protein into skinny mice, the skinny mice immediately started eating more and eventually developed the same issues that the overweight mice had. This suggests that simply changing the gut flora of the mice transferred the obesity and diabetes. Different species of bacteria seem to have different effects on appetite and metabolism. The mice with too much bad bacteria in their guts had increased appetite, a damaged metabolism, and insulin resistance. Candida albicans yeast can create inflammation in your body. Candida can lead to weight gain because it feeds on sugar, can cause you to crave sugar and simple carbohydrates, and leads to the buildup of endotoxins that can lead to inflammation throughout your body. This stream of toxins can be too much for your liver, and the excess is stored in your fat cells, often on your stomach and your thighs. These toxins can also cause bloating, slow metabolism, and disrupt your thyroid, which can also interfere with your weight loss attempts. A recent study found that subjects with a high amount of a bacteria called Prevotella in their gut microbiota lost more weight than those who had a low amount of this bacteria in their gut. A diet rich in fiber from fresh vegetables and fruit increased the amounts of Prevotella in the microbiome. Other studies have shown that changes in gut bacteria can increase the rate at which we absorb fatty acids and carbohydrates and can increase the storage of calories as fat. Intestinal microbes, our so-called gut flora or gut microbiota, are the most extensively characterized of these populations and have been implicated in chronic inflammation, autoimmunity, diabetes, and obesity. The key mediator for communication between you and your gut microbes are short-chain fatty acids, which are metabolites produced by the microbes that have the ability to influence your immunity and metabolism. Based on the different metabolites that they produce and their contributions to bad phenotypes, such as impaired glucose tolerance or increased fatty acid absorption, our gut microbes, primarily bacteria, haven't earned themselves good or bad names. Although many of them, if not thousands of bacterial species, are present in our guts, two groups stand out in the context of health and disease, bacteroidetes and firmicutes. Members of the bacteroidetes group were among the good bacteria because they produce favorable metabolites, including short-chain fatty acids, which have been correlated with reducing inflammation. In one study, mice were fed either a standard or high-fiber diet and exposed to house dust mites extracts to induce allergic airway inflammation. The mice fed the high-fiber diet did not only had increased bacteroides populations, the good guys, but also had increasing circulating short-chain fatty acid levels and were protected against allergic inflammation in their lung. In contrast, the mice maintained on the standard low-fiber diet 
and exposed to the dust mite antigen, developed an allergic response. Formicutes are considered to be the bad guys. Due to their negative influence on glucose and fat metabolism, they're commonly referred to as bad gut microbes. And increased ratios of Formicutes to Bacteroidetae species have been correlated with obesity and type 2 diabetes. Several studies using mice-fed a high-fat diet have directly correlated Formicutes species abundance to weight gain and dysregulated energy metabolism. In one study, investigators demonstrated that a high-fat diet induced significant weight gain, colonic inflammation, and increased circulating pro-inflammatory cytokines and increased Formicutes bacteroidetes ratios. In the African study that I mentioned earlier, after only two weeks of giving the Africans the standard American junk food diet, their levels of the good bacteroidetes dropped and their levels of the inflammatory formicutes elevated. And the opposite happened to the African Americans who switched to the rich plant-based diet. The good bacteria increased and the inflammatory bacteria decreased. Recent research suggests that the bacteria in your gut may influence your food choices. 97% of women and 68% of men reported experiencing cravings for certain foods. As you may have experienced, cravings are a major barrier to weight loss and optimal health. A recent body of evidence suggests that gut microbes may influence your cravings. Since they live in your gut, microbes will eat whatever you're eating and depend on that to thrive. And it makes sense that they're able to shape your eating preferences for their own benefit. Studies on chocolate cravings have found that when on the same diet, people who crave chocolate have different microbial breakdown products in their urine than those who are indifferent to chocolate. The gut contains a dense network of neurons called the enteric nervous system. And this network is sometimes called the second brain. Hundreds of different hormonal, neuronal, and inflammation-related signals are constantly exchanged between your brain and your gut. It's called the gut-brain connection. Gut bacteria can take advantage of this pathway. If a type of bacteria prefers sugar, it can cause your body to increase the number of sweet receptors throughout your gut, which can cause you to crave more sugar. When you understand that sugar cravings are a symptom rather than a cause, this will help you to implement changes in your diet for better gut health and overall health. We'll discuss these changes in a few minutes. Microbes also produce neurotransmitters. More than 50% of your body's dopamine and over 90% of your body's serotonin are produced in your gut, along with about 30 other neurotransmitters. Dopamine and serotonin have both been shown to be involved in regulation of eating behavior. Gut bacteria may also influence your brain's neural pathways. For example, pathways that could reshape emotional eating behavior. Food preferences are linked to your mental state. And since your gut microbiome can create the same neurotransmitters as antidepressants, anxiety, and recreational drugs, it's not surprising that they could modify your eating behavior as well as your mood. Studies have shown that mice lacking a certain bacteria in their gut, you know, germ-free mice, prefer sweets and have more sweet taste receptors. In a paper published recently in PLOS Biology, a study demonstrated how the microbiome affected fruit flies' nutritional decisions. Increasing certain types of bacteria suppress the fly's protein craving and increase their preference for sugar. 
Strong evidence from the study indicates that the microbiome carries information from the gut to the brain, telling the host whether it needs a particular kind of food or not. Evidence from gastric bypass patients has shown that cravings may be linked to the microbiome. After the bypass surgery, the patient's microbiome shifted, and their cravings did as well. They lost their taste for fatty foods. Researchers now suspect that the success of bypass surgery is due to these changes in cravings and not the decrease in stomach volume. The cravings women have during pregnancy may also be due, in part, to the significant changes that happen in the mother's microbiome. In one study, researchers developed a liquid food that was 50% carbohydrate, 20% protein, and 30% fat, and fed this to two lean people who had no weight problems for over a week. These people maintained their weight. They fed the same liquid food blend to morbidly obese volunteers, and over the first 12 days, the obese volunteers ate only around 200 calories a day. One of the volunteers continued on the liquid diet and lost 70 pounds in 70 days. He continued on the formula for another 185 days and lost 200 pounds, never complaining of any hunger or discomfort. The success of this study may show that meeting nutritional requirements with food that is not rewarding, such as liquid food, decreases hunger and cravings. I've seen this when I recommend an elemental or liquid diet to my patients who have IBS. They lose weight if they have weight to lose. If they don't have weight to lose, they usually maintain their weight and feel good. My husband and I actually tried it out. We did it for about seven days. Neither one of us needed to lose weight. But we both found that we didn't have any desire to eat after about two or three days. Our appetite just went away and we felt you know, completely uh, satisfied. After adopting a nutrient-dense diet, lots of vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, and fiber for a few months, many people find that their junk food cravings begin to decrease. This is likely, at least in part, to a shift in their gut microbiome. As their gut bacteria turns over, the good bacteria are fed and the bad bacteria begin to die out, leading to a decrease in cravings for sugar and other foods that feed bad bacteria. And I've seen this in patients who have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I talk about this in my podcast on gut health, that when patients go on an elemental diet, which is a liquid diet that contains all of the amino acids, uh, fat, fatty acids, and carbohydrates completely pre-digested and broken down for you, when patients follow that liquid diet for two weeks, 80% of the bad bacteria or the SIBO bacteria in their small intestine die off and their bloating and gas and constipation or diarrhea problems start clearing up. Studies have shown that different bacteria in the gut affect the production of hormones and whether you feel hungry or full. When dysbiotic or bad bacteria create an inflammatory response by way of your immune system, these endotoxins have been shown to cause inflammation, insulin resistance, and weight gain. During the inflammatory response, Cytokines are released and have been repeatedly shown to cause insulin resistance. Most diets don't work because they fail to address the hormonal root causes that are some of the most common reasons for weight loss resistance, like excess cortisol, insulin or leptin resistance, estrogen dominance, a sluggish thyroid, or low testosterone. Let's take a look at how hormones can affect weight loss. Insulin is your fat storage hormone. If you have insulin resistance, 
The cells of your muscles, fat, and liver don't respond well to insulin and can't easily take up the glucose or sugar from your blood. Insulin will knock on the receptor or the door of your cell, but if the door doesn't open to let the sugar in, the sugar will stay in your blood. As a result, your pancreas will make more insulin to help get that glucose or sugar across the cell wall and into the cells. This can lead to type 2 diabetes. When you have insulin resistance, your liver converts your sugar into fat and usually will cause both weight gain and sugar addiction. Leptin is your body's appetite suppressant. When you've had enough to eat, leptin signals your brain to stop. If you're overweight, your fat cells will produce excess leptin. When your brain gets bombarded with leptin signals from too many fat cells, it shuts down. So your leptin levels will keep rising. Your receptors will stop functioning. And if your body doesn't get the leptin signal, you won't feel full. You'll keep eating the wrong foods in an addictive pattern, and you'll continue to gain weight. Inflammation of the brain via the gut-brain connection causes leptin resistance. Certain micronutrient deficiencies and fatty acid imbalances can also promote inflammation and leptin resistance. In experiments with rodents, where the researchers overfed them a processed high-fat diet, they observed the damage to the neurons that led to leptin resistance and the onset of obesity. Studies show that leptin resistance comes before weight gain and can be detected in the brain even after short periods of overeating. This suggests that leptin resistance comes before obesity and not vice versa. In obese people, the goal should be to decrease the causes of leptin resistance, mainly reducing inflammation, increasing leptin sensitivity, and decreasing fat mass. Reducing and eliminating inflammation is extremely important when you're trying to accomplish this. Sex hormone imbalances can also prevent you from losing weight. Sex hormone imbalances such as estrogen and testosterone can also cause weight problems. Having too much estrogen or estrogen retention causes weight gain whether you're a man or a woman. Do you know how ranchers fatten steer before they go to market? They implant them with estrogen pellets. For both genders, too much sugar, refined carbohydrates, and alcohol spikes estrogen. Keeping your gut healthy also cultivates healthy sex hormone metabolism. Too little fiber or too many antibiotics can damage your gut, triggering estrogen spikes because your body can't properly detoxify or excrete waste. Environmental toxins thrive on pesticides called xenoestrogens because even at low doses, they act like estrogen in your body. Symptoms of excess estrogen in women include weight loss resistance, breast tenderness, fluid retention, bad PMS syndrome, fibroids, and heavy menstrual bleeding. If you'd like more information about dealing with estrogen retention and PMS, please listen to my podcast on PMS. In men, excess estrogen can cause loss of body hair, including chest, legs, and arms, a beer belly, and man breasts. Low testosterone in men can accelerate aging. Lack of exercise, alcohol, stress, environmental toxins, or diseases like diabetes, or even pituitary problems can also lower testosterone levels. Low testosterone causes men to lose muscle and gain fat leading to sexual dysfunction, low sex drive, fatigue, 
mental fogginess, and bone loss that can lead to osteoporosis. Interestingly, cholesterol produces testosterone and the other sex hormones. Eating a low-fat diet and taking statin drugs that block cholesterol production can negatively impact your sex hormones. Your thyroid is another very important hormone that needs to be balanced if you have difficulty losing weight. Thyroid hormone acts as the gas pedal of your metabolism, managing how fast or how slow you burn calories. When your thyroid is sluggish, it can cause weight gain, impede your efforts to lose weight, can cause fluid retention, hair loss or thinning, depression, dry skin, and constipation. The American Thyroid Association estimates that 20 million Americans have a thyroid problem and that up to 60% are unaware of their condition. Hypothyroidism, or low thyroid function, a condition where the thyroid does not produce enough thyroid hormone, can cause weight gain or make it difficult to lose weight. Research shows hypothyroidism, or low thyroid function, affects 1 in 5 women and 1 in 10 men. Unfortunately, in over half of these cases, the condition isn't properly diagnosed. This is why I always check thyroid hormone levels in patients who are having trouble losing weight. And we look at optimal levels. We also look at not only TSH, but we look at your free levels of T4, your T3 uptake, which is your uh, hormone, the converted thyroid hormone that, that creates your metabolism, we look at thyroid antibodies. Uh, we look at something called reverse T3, and I'll go over this more when we look at the tests. But it's important to look at a full thyroid panel if you're having trouble losing weight. And in functional medicine, like I said, um, the parameters for or the optimal levels that we look at are much tighter than in traditional uh, conventional medicine. Elevated cortisol levels can make also make it very difficult to lose weight. Another source of weight loss resistance is stress. Stressful thoughts activate metabolic pathways that cause weight gain and insulin resistance. Stress is a response to stimulation that makes you feel threatened. Most stress isn't real. A worry, thought, fear, or projection into the future of what might go wrong can all become real stressors. While short-lived, we carry them with us and we don't know how to reset our mindset. I uh, often enjoy listening to talks about something called The Three Principles, or we listen to Eckhart Tolle. These are great explanations regarding how our thoughts create our emotions and how simple it is to not let our thoughts bother us once we have an understanding of how our minds work. Stress creates hormonal responses that cause weight gain and insulin resistance. Cortisol is the adrenal hormone that helps you to run faster, see further, hear better, and pump fuel into your bloodstream for quick energy so that you can get away from, uh, say, a dog or a bear or something that's chasing you. It's the hormone that helps us survive whenever we're facing danger. But it also shuts down our digestion and it slows down our metabolism. All this is perfectly normal in the short term, but if left unchecked, prolonged stress and high levels of cortisol cause high blood sugar, increased belly fat, and can... Um, cause the lining of your uh, intestine to break down, leading to inflammation throughout your body. And we've talked about the importance of inflammation when we're trying to lose weight. Another factor I'd like to discuss is something called low mitochondrial function. This can also make it difficult to lose weight. Your mitochondria are like chemical furnaces inside every cell of your body. 
and they produce ATP or energy and they oxygenate your cells. So when fats come across the cell membrane into these little furnaces or, or glucose or sugar, they are um, converted into energy via these little chemical furnaces. And if they're not functioning properly, they will not effect, efficiently burn fat. The dysfunction we call obesity and diabetes are merely reflections of mitochondrial dysfunction. And we'll talk about the test to run for that in uh, just a few minutes. If you want to lower your fasting blood glucose levels, you'll need to support your mitochondria so that they metabolize sugar faster than it gets delivered to them. Because thyroid hormone turns on your mitochondria, if you have low thyroid hormone function or production, you're going to experience weight gain. Heavy metal toxicity wipes out your mitochondrial function. Numerous studies have shown that toxic metals including mercury, lead, and cadmium can impair your thyroid function, specifically impair the conversion of your T4, which is your thyroxine or your thyroid hormone, to its active hormone, T3. And T3 is what gets into your cells and is responsible for metabolism. So if you're not properly converting T4 to T3, you're going to have a slow metabolism and it's going to be really difficult to lose weight. I'd like to let you know what we discovered and fixed in a 53-year-old female patient who couldn't lose weight. Her toxic urine elements test showed that she had high levels of both mercury and lead. Once she did a metabolic detoxification program to remove the heavy metals, her weight problems and her conversion of T4 to T3, which had been a problem, was no longer an issue. She lost 25 pounds in six weeks. It's not usually that simple, but in her case, her weight loss resistance would do, was due to heavy metal toxicity. Always good to check. Sleep and weight loss. Studies have shown that the risk of obesity in adults increases 55% in those who don't get enough sleep. In children, that same risk soars to 89%. One study from the University of Colorado actually found that in just one week's time of individuals only getting five hours of sleep nightly, the average person gained two pounds. We talked about leptin a little bit earlier, but it's the hormone involved in appetite suppression, and it's decreased when you don't get enough sleep. And ghrelin, a hormone involved in making you feel hungry, is increased when you don't get enough sleep. If you're having difficulty losing weight, we need to first look at how much inflammation is in your body. When there are toxins in your body leading to inflammation, that will predispose you to weight gain. Inflammation leads to swelling, water retention, and water weight. Just reducing inflammation alone can quickly help you to lose up to 10 pounds by just eliminating that source of inflammation. I'd like to tell you about a 43-year-old patient who came in with weight gain, PMS, hair loss, she had water retention, and a lot of moodiness. Her cortisol levels were three times the normal level. And we know that high levels of cortisol causes belly fat deposits. She also had PMS and a pretty short fuse. Her insulin was too high, which made her blood sugar high, because her insulin wasn't doing its job, which was driving the sugar or glucose into her cells, so it was staying in her blood. She also had leptin resistance, causing her to be ravenous, starving, and her thyroid function was low, leading to the hair loss, fluid retention, and inability to lose weight. 
So the solution was to fix her hormones. When we did, she lost 20 pounds, her PMS stopped, her hair loss stopped, and her mood improved. Please feel free to listen to my podcast on PMS. Let's look at how nutritional imbalances can contribute to weight problems. Over 30% of American diets are low in nutrients, such as magnesium, vitamin C, E, and A. Over 80% of Americans have low vitamin D levels, and 9 out of 10 people are deficient in omega-3 fatty acids. These are needed to help cool the inflammation in your body and, and control your blood sugar levels. There are several micronutrient deficiencies that have been found associated with gut barrier function, specifically low levels of vitamin A, magnesium, zinc, and D, and also calcium. These vitamins play vital roles in maintaining the security of your intestinal lining. In obesity, intake of these nutrients tends to be low, so deficiencies could lead to intestinal permeability and leaky gut, and we know that leads to inflammation. Having higher levels of these nutrients could be protective against the development of leaky gut, inflammation, and obesity. It's possible that you could be eating too many calories and getting too few nutrients. You need vitamins and minerals to process the empty calories if you're eating them. So if your nutritional status is low, your metabolism will function poorly. Nutrition-based treatment can also help reset your metabolism. We'll go over how to do that in a few minutes when we discuss solutions. We're almost there. (laughs) I know it's getting long. Toxins can be a factor in your inability to lose weight. After balancing your gut function and hormones, I almost always recommend a detox program. Environmental toxins are called obesogens. Toxins including plastics, pesticides, flame retardants, and heavy metals, any of the 80,000 chemicals introduced in the last century have been shown to interfere with metabolism and cause weight gain. Many of the toxins in your food, water, and personal care and household products mimic the activity of hormones such as estrogen. The disruption of your hormone balance can make it very difficult to lose weight. Bisphenol A in plastics can interfere with the estrogen, insulin, thyroid, and testosterone messages in your body. Toxins also promote weight gain affecting your metabolism, your hormones, and your brain function. An overload of toxins in your body can negatively affect your mitochondrial function and create hormonal imbalances that cause weight gain or weight loss resistance. When you carry a toxic load in your body, leptin, which we talked about earlier, does not do its job of telling your brain to burn fat. Let's look at the importance of your body's set point when trying to lose weight. When trying to drop just 15 pounds or even dealing with obesity, you need to reset your body's set point. An increased set point is your brain's defense of an elevated body fat mass, and this can happen in obese people. An increased set point can be caused by interactions between your pleasure-rewarding-seeking system and the energy-regulating system in your brain. These are influenced by inflammation in your gut and other parts of your body, and then in your brain by leptin resistance and by other mechanisms that impair the function of your hypothalamus or the parts of your brain that regulate your weight. Your body's system for maintaining a healthy level of fat is called the energy homeostasis system and creates a set point for your body weight and your body fat mass. This system, however, can make it difficult to lose weight because it responds to reductions in body fat. If you lose 20 pounds, your body will constrict the amount of calories you burn 
while resting and increase your hunger in an attempt to gain the fat back. Similarly, if you gain weight, your body does the opposite. It increases metabolism while suppressing hunger. An analogy for the set point is a thermostat. Any successful weight loss program has to involve lowering the set point. If it doesn't lower the set point, it won't work at all. For example, if you're on a low-carb diet and then you start eating carbohydrates, you're adding reward value back to your diet. And if you had a weight problem before the set point had been adjusted, the chances are you'll gain the weight back. There are a number of factors that can dysregulate your set point. Dealing with inflammation and leptin resistance is the place to start. Sticking to a lifestyle that relies on healthy whole foods will help you to avoid the weight loss and gain due to the set point that follows restrictive dieting. The modern food industry has engineered foods that trigger the reward centers of your brain and encourage you to eat more. The reward value of food has been shown to influence food intake and body mass in both animals and humans. Reward value is psychological and has to do with chemicals in your brain. Reward value is different than palatability. Here's an example. Steak is a palatable food, but you don't hear people saying they're addicted to steak. People like it, but it doesn't create addictive behavior. But people would say they're addicted to foods like chocolate, ice cream, or chips. The best way to get away from this behavior is to think of certain foods that taste good but don't create addictive relationships, like sweet potatoes. They taste good, but no one goes crazy eating sweet potatoes. Chips, however, have salt, fat, and a particular feel that stimulates the reward centers of your brain. In a study on rats were given the choice between human junk food and rat chow, they voluntarily endured foot shocks in extreme cold just to eat the junk food. As we all know, eating processed foods, foods high in sugar, saturated fats, and refined grains can be causes of weight gain due to their high caloric content and low nutritional value. They can lead to inflammation as well as stimulate the growth of unhealthy bacteria in the gut, both of which can also contribute to weight gain. Eating high sugar diets and decreasing intake of fiber feeds the bad bacteria, such as E. coli bacteria that are associated with inflammation and defective immune response. Healthy fats such as omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil, nuts, and seeds can support beneficial bacteria. However, saturated fats from dairy products, fatty meats, and pastries contribute to the growth of the bad disease-causing bacteria. A study showed that a fat is more efficient than a carbohydrate at transporting the bad endotoxins to the liver. An increase in liver toxins was demonstrated to induce obesity and diabetes in rats, which demonstrates why a high-fat diet could exacerbate metabolic disease. This study suggests that a diet high in fructose, such as high-fructose corn syrup and a lot of packaged foods, and fat can lead to an increase in toxin-related liver inflammation and weight gain, the number of good bacteria in the body, and weight management and general health. Artificial sweeteners such as aspartame and saccharin reduce the beneficial bacteria in your intestine, which may contribute to high blood sugar. A recent study by researchers at Ben-Gurion University in Israel and Nyang Technological University in Singapore found that gut bacteria became toxic when exposed to tiny, tiny concentrations of artificial sweeteners. The study included aspartame, 
sucralose, and saccharin. In a study by researchers at Wiseman Institute of Science in Israel, they found that feeding saccharin, sucralose, or aspartame to mice led to the development of, of glucose intolerance. The mice fed these artificial sweeteners developed glucose intolerance, while a control group of mice fed regular sugar did not. They found that the mice-fed saccharin had a different microbial composition than the control mice. Their gut bacteria were significantly altered in abundance, meaning the mice were experiencing dysbiosis, or the bad bacteria. A study on humans also showed that even within one week, volunteers eating artificial sweeteners developed glucose intolerance, as well as changes to their microbiome. So let's look at some of the tests that I love to run. The first test I always order with almost every patient who comes into our office is called a GI map, and it's a DNA stool test. I order this to check for all the bacterial pathogens, your levels of enzymes, viruses. It checks for worms and parasites. It checks your levels of uh, enzymes, your ability to break down fats, your levels of inflammation. It has a marker for an intolerance to gluten. Uh, I also frequently order a Dutch complete dried urine test to check for all three of your estrogen levels, all of your androgens or male uh, hormone levels, DHEA, your detoxification pathways. In other words, how well are you metabolizing or detoxifying, getting those toxic estrogens and, and testosterone through your liver, through your colon, and out of your body. And it also checks uh, for your cortisol levels. And it's a cycling cortisol, so it checks your level when you wake up at 8, at 10 a.m., 5 p.m., and before bed. Almost anyone who struggles with weight gain also battles hormonal imbalance. It just amazes me how easy weight loss becomes once hormones are balanced. Hormones control how efficiently your calories make you fat. If you have estrogen dominance or you're retaining too much estrogen in relationship to your levels of progesterone, it can cause increased cravings and decrease your metabolism, definitely leading to weight gain. Also, low testosterone in men can increase their body fat, create insulin resistance, and being overweight can cause testosterone levels to drop even more. I also recommend the following blood tests. I mentioned a little bit earlier, but it's important to run a thyroid panel if you're struggling with weight. Most doctors will just run TSH, which is your thyroid-stimulating hormone. It's a pituitary hormone telling your thyroid how much to make, depending on how much it's picking up in your blood. In addition to TSH, you should run t free T4. That's how much your thyroid is actually making, how much hormone it's making. Your free T3 uptake, which means how much of that is getting converted from T4 to its active form T3, how much is getting into the cells to actually metabolize your reverse T3, antithyroglobulins, these are antibodies, and TPO. Because low thyroid levels slow down your metabolism, causing weight gain or impeding your efforts to lose weight, it's really important to do a thyroid panel. Talk to someone who does functional medicine so that they look at optimal values and not just conventional uh, values. I also run an insulin level. High blood insulin levels also cause your cells to become resistant to the hormone's effect. When you become insulin resistant, your pancreas produces even more insulin, and that creates a vicious cycle. So if you have high levels of insulin, 
Your cells can't absorb the extra blood glucose your body's producing from the food you eat, and your liver will convert that glucose or sugar into fat. Insulin imbalance can also cause you to crave carbohydrates and create excess belly fat. Processed foods can definitely cause insulin imbalance. Another uh, hormone that we look at is leptin. Obese people usually have high levels of leptin. This is because in obese people, the brain does not respond well to leptin, so they keep eating despite adequate or excessive fat stores, a concept known as leptin resistance. This causes the fat cells to produce even more leptin. I also uh, do a fasting glucose level to see if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic. I also check vitamin D levels. Vitamin D affects insulin secretion, tissue sensitivity to insulin, and systemic inflammation. There's a growing body of evidence linking obesity with low levels of vitamin D, and the finding could help to explain why carrying extra pounds raises the risk for a wide variety of diseases. This study suggests that people who are obese may be less able to convert vitamin D into its hormonally active form. Other symptoms of vitamin D deficiency can include muscle weakness, pain, fatigue, and depression. Another one I run when I look at blood is magnesium. Magnesium may be helpful for regulating blood sugar and insulin levels in people who are overweight or obese. A 2013 study found that taking higher amounts of magnesium helps to control insulin and glucose blood levels. Symptoms of magnesium deficiency include muscle cramps, twitching, depression, and insomnia. I also recommend doing a urine elements test to check for heavy metals. This checks for all the different heavy metals, mercury, lead, cadmium, uh, copper. Uh, and the other one I order quite often is an organic acids urine test, and this checks your mitochondrial function. So let's go over some solutions. First, I recommend following an anti-inflammatory, allergy-free dietary plan. 60 to 70% of what's on your plate should be vegetables, and they should be organic vegetables. Your, your gut bugs really love these high-fiber plant foods. Uh, I also recommend eating low-sugar fruits like berries, lemons, lime, kiwi, avocado. I recommend eating good fats, including extra virgin olive oil, avocado, or coconut oil to help decrease your inflammation. If you're not vegetarian, I recommend pasture-raised meats once or twice a week, wild-caught seafood, make sure your poultry is pasture-raised and your, your eggs are pastured. I recommend organic nuts and seeds. Limit to about a handful of raw nuts or one to two teaspoons of nut butter or, or seed butter per day if you're trying to lose weight. If you drink coffee, make sure it's organic and limit it to two cups before 1 p.m. If you're vegan or vegetarian, focus on plant-based proteins, including legumes and quinoa. One study revealed that a gluten-free diet with plenty of whole foods reduced inflammation, excess weight, and insulin resistance. Research has also shown that the Mediterranean-type diet, replete with its beneficial fatty acids, high amounts of fiber, lots of vegetables, high amounts of polyphenols, and greater ratios of vegetables to animal protein, to be the most preferred by the beneficial bacteria in your gut. Research has also shown that a fibrous, low-sugar diet is better for your gut health. Fiber fuels healthy bacteria, while sugar feeds the bad, unwanted bacteria, parasites, and yeast. Your gut microbiome turns over every half hour or so because bacteria have a short life cycle. 
You can begin rebuilding your gut bacteria within only a few days. It's important to remove the inflammatory fats such as vegetable oils, processed foods, refined carbohydrates, sugars, and sugar substitutes from your diet, and definitely limit or uh, remove your alcohol for at least a few weeks because alcohol raises estrogen and cortisol levels. It robs you of the good deep sleep, and it lowers your metabolism more than 70%. Once you reach your ideal weight, infrequent and small amounts of alcohol should be okay. Let's look at supplements and then we'll wrap it up. So supplements, omega-3 fatty acids to support your gut flora and decrease the inflammation in your body. I recommend taking a good quality multiple vitamin and mineral supplement so that you're getting all your vitamins and all your good minerals. I also recommend separately a vitamin D and a magnesium. You need about seven to eight and a half hours of sleep to break through your weight loss resistance. So make sure you're doing things that improve your sleep. My favorite supplement for improved sleep contains 5-hydroxytryptophan or 5-HTP and L-theanine. It's a great combo uh, to help you sleep at night because your uh, tryptophan converts to serotonin and serotonin converts to melatonin at night and melatonin and GABA, which comes from theanine, are what keep us asleep. Too much cortisol raises your blood sugar and deposits fat at night. So if you have anxiety, if you have a lot of stress, take a supplement containing L-theanine, phosphatidylserine, bacopa, ashwagandha, and rhodiola. That can work wonders for panic attacks and anxiety. If you listen to my podcast on panic attacks and anxiety, This combination works very quickly, and it's very safe. Also take a high-quality probiotic and prebiotic supplement if you don't have a lot of gas and bloating. If you do, you might want to listen to the uh, podcast on SIBO because it's best to wait on a probiotic and prebiotic until the gas and bloating is gone. Berberine is the most proven supplement to help reset insulin and support weight loss in women because it activates an important enzyme nicknamed the metabolic master switch. DIM, D-I-M, is akin to eating about 25 pounds of steamed broccoli. Many women with weight loss resistance have high estrogen or estrogen dominance. That's a problem that actually affects 75 to 80% of women over 35. And DIM helps to reduce the retention of powerful estrogens so that you have the more protective estrogens and fewer of the bad estrogens circulating. Cinnamon bark's been shown to decrease hunger and increase fat loss by blocking gorilla and the hunger hormone. It's also really important to consume fiber. Ground flax seeds provide optimal fiber and something called lignans, which balance your hormones. Adding about two tablespoons per day, either to a shake or a salad, is a great way to get it. Before wrapping up, I'd love to share a few success stories. A 27-year-old woman came to me in 2018 with a weight gain of 30 pounds, bloating, stomach pain, and constipation. PMS, ovarian cysts, hair loss, low vitamin D, and weekly headaches. She also had hip pain. Her blood test showed high levels of inflammation. She had a high what's called C-reactive protein or CRP. She had low T3 uptake, which means she wasn't getting her thyroid hormone into her cells very well. She had low vitamin D, low vitamin B12, and low vitamin B6. Her DNA stool test showed the presence of H. pylori, a bacteria that causes ulceration. She also had high levels of several bad dysbiotic bacteria. 
She had high amounts of inflammation in her gut, and she had an allergy to gluten. Her Dutch hormone test showed high levels of estrogen, poor liver clearance of estrogen, and high levels of cortisol. We first had her follow the anti-inflammatory diet, gave her antimicrobials to kill the dysbiotic bacteria, herbals to kill the H. pylori, DIM to decrease the high estrogen levels, vitamin D, B vitamins, and adaptogenic herbs to lower the cortisol. After one week, her headaches and stomach pain stopped. After three weeks, her bloating and constipation was gone. After eight weeks, her PMS was gone. And after six months, she had no symptoms, was off all of her supplements, and she'd lost 25 pounds. As of this date, uh, we're in August of 2020. She's lost 30 pounds, and she's still symptom-free. And then I'd like to tell you about one more person. This is a 42-year-old male who came in in June of 2020. He wanted to lose weight. He'd been suffering with IBS, severe diarrhea for the past six months, and had daily headaches. He also had high blood pressure. His DNA stool test showed high amounts of H. pylori, several dysbiotic bacteria, and an allergy to gluten. He also had high levels of cortisol. I recommended an anti-inflammatory diet, adaptogenic herbs to support his adrenals, holy basil, ashwagandha, and bacopa. I recommended two antimicrobial herbals to kill the dysbiotic bacteria and an herbal to kill the H. pylori. I recommended a well-researched fish protein powder to lower his blood pressure. Two weeks later, he reported no diarrhea, normal bowel movements, no bloating, no headaches, and his blood pressure was averaging in the 120s over 80s, and he had lost 15 pounds in two weeks. So let's wrap it up. Today we looked at several of the features of our modern lifestyle that directly contribute to an inability to lose weight. Imbalances in your microbiome or the balance of good and bad bacteria in your gut. Imbalances in your hormones. Diets low in fiber and high in sugar, bad fats and processed foods. Toxins in our environment and chronic stress. I thank you so much for listening. If you'd like a one-on-one consultation, I'd love to hear from you please visit me at drgala.com. That's D-R-G-A-I-L-A dot com.